Let's turn once again together to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. Uh, Today we are finishing up, uh, Lord willing, our little series on the Lord's Prayer. I thought that we'd look at the verses following the Lord's Prayer today, verses 5 through 13, earlier this week, but as I continued to work on the sermon, I decided to just focus on this last request. Uh, Lead us not into temptation. So once again, we will just look at verses 1 through 4. And next week, we'll look at verses 5 through 13, where Jesus tells us uh, the, the manner in which we are to pray. So in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us what to pray for. And then in verses 5 through 13, Jesus is going to teach us the manner in which we are to pray for those things. As we've worked through the Lord's Prayer, each of these petitions together, I I hope that one of the things that we have seen about the Lord's Prayer is that the Lord's Prayer is not just a model prayer, but it is a picture of the Christian life. Uh, Jesus is teaching us not only what to pray, but how to think and how to live as his disciples. The Lord's Prayer is meant to shape our world and life view just as much as it is meant to shape our prayers. And I think we will see that today as we look at this final petition, uh, Father, lead us not into temptation. And before we read our passage, let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing today. Please join me in prayer. Our Lord and our God, we want to hear and understand your word today, so help us. Give us ears to hear and minds to understand. And as we think about this final request, lead us not into temptation Lord, we sense its importance for our own lives uh, because we know our hearts and we know how prone we are to wander and leave the God we love. And so, Lord, we pray that you would teach us today, that you would help us and be our protection. We don't want to go on sinning against you and go on sinning against others today. So, Lord, we pray that you would be our teacher and help us to live as the children of God redeemed, cleansed, set apart for you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Let's hear the word of God. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Well, this prayer teaches us our three most basic needs. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins and lead us not into temptation. We need God's provision for life. We need God's forgiveness if we are going to be in a right relationship with God. And we need God's protection if we are going to live for God. And so the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray for the provision of God, the pardon of God, and the protection of God. And today we are going to focus on that last request, 
the protection of God. Lead us not into temptation. And as we do this, I want us to see two big ideas. I want us to see today that the danger of temptation is real. So we must depend upon God for deliverance. The danger of temptation is real. So we must rely on our Father for help. And so in the first place, the danger of temptation is real. Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, lead us not into temptation. He wants us to understand that the assaults of the evil one, the temptations of this world, and the corruption of our own hearts are real and present dangers. You see, as Christians, we should never buy into the lie that we are beyond the reach of compromise, that we are beyond the reach of compromising temptations. Sometimes as Christians, we, we let ourselves become confident, we let ourselves become comfortable, we let ourselves become complacent, and we forget our own weakness and the danger of real temptation in the Christian life. And so this request, my friends, is not an irrelevant cliche that you have been taught to repeat from rote from childhood. This petition has substance. It's not an empty expression that has no relevance for the daily life of the Christian. It is about a real and present threat for pilgrims in this world. This prayer has relevance, my friends, because we are in a battle. We are in a battle against sin. Is it any wonder why in Ephesians 6, when Paul is telling us to put on the whole armor of God and to stand fast against the assaults of Satan, that immediately after talking about the armor of God, Paul says to the Christians, pray at all times. Pray at all times. See, Jesus would not teach us to pray for protection if temptation was not a real threat for the Christian. And my friends, this is what I meant when I said the Lord's Prayer is not just meant to teach us how to pray. It's meant to shape how we think and how we live as Christians. Jesus would not teach us to pray this way unless falling into temptation is a real present danger for Christians. As Christians, we are not impervious to temptation. This isn't an empty request, therefore. This is the prayer of a Christian warrior called to fight daily against Satan and worldly systems and our own indwelling sin. So, my friends, we cannot take temptation lightly. We do so to our own detriment. We have to realize that Satan tempts us to sin, that the world tempts, to, tempts us to sin, and that our own hearts produce wrong desires that if left to fester, produce sin in our own lives. So we need to be on guard against the evil one, the evil of this present age, and the evil that is within our own hearts. See, when we realize there is a tempter, that there is a world that tempts us, that a world of temptation exists within our own hearts, then we realize that we cannot ever, ever take temptation lightly as Christians. Just think about it this way. Think about, think about soldiers on the front line of battle. 
Right on the, they're right on the front line. They know the enemy is just across the field. That, that, uh, that uh, fighting could break out at any moment. Battle is imminent. What do those soldiers do on the front line? Do they, do they get complacent? Do they relax? Do they just sit back? No, no. They, they stand ready because they do not take the presence of this enemy lightly. They recognize that this danger is real. And yet sometimes I think when it comes to temptation, if we're honest with ourselves, we take it so, so lightly. We sit back, we relax, and we do so to our own harm. And my friends, we must realize as Christians that we are in a war. We must realize that sin is crouching at the door seeking Every opportunity to wreak havoc and destruction in your life. John Bradford, I want to tell you a story about John Bradford, who was an English uh, reformer in the 16th century in England. Uh, John Bradford would eventually pay the ultimate price for his faith and allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. He would be martyred. Well, the story is told, though, of John Bradford while he was in the Tower of London being held in prison. One day, he witnessed a group of of guilty criminals being taken away to the gallows. And these men were headed to their own execution. Now, they were not being executed for their faith. They were being executed for, for crimes that they had committed. And as Bradford saw them taken away to their execution, he reportedly said, There, but by the grace of God, goes John Bradford. There, but by the grace of God, goes I. Now, Bradford was not referring to his upcoming execution. What he meant was that by God's grace, he had been spared from a life of criminality. He had been spared by the grace of God from acting on the sin that dwelled within his own heart. You see, as Christians, this is a truth that we, that we have to acknowledge Any sin, no matter how wrong, no matter how vile, no matter how heinous, we can point to that sin and say, there, but by the grace of God, go I. You should say with the Apostle Paul, it is by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it's only the protecting and preserving grace of God that keeps us from being led away by Satan, the world, and sin that dwells within our hearts. You see, this request, lead us not into temptation, it assumes that we are not living in times of peace, brothers and sisters. That we are caught up in a battle, in a war zone. The danger of temptation is real. And we only need to look as far as a godly man like David to see that genuine believers can and do fall into temptation and commit horrendous evil. This is David, man after God's own heart. This is, this is David who, who wrote so many of the psalms that we so cherish and love to sing and pray back to God. This is, this is King David who shepherded God's people because he loved the Lord. And all it took for David 
And for this whirlwind of sin and misery to enter into his life was one compromising situation where he was tempted to gaze upon Bathsheba and that temptation led David into the sin of lust and that sin gave birth to adultery and that sin gave birth to lying and deceit and that sin gave birth to murder. So you see, David, this godly man, fell into temptation and committed these horrendous sins because the danger of temptation is real. And yet we grow confident in ourselves, comfortable in our lives, complacent in our faith. And we do not actually live as though our hearts are prone to wonder and we're prone to leave the God we love as we sing. Even though, even though we have been born anew, even though our hearts have been changed and cleansed, even though we are blood-bought, forgiven sinners, my friends, sin still remains. We're still prone to, to give in to temptation, and so we pray, Father, lead us not into temptation because we recognize that the threat of temptation is real and we need our Father's protection. Now you understand that Temptation never comes from God. Uh, God tests his children, but he never tempts his children. And the testing of God is always intended to grow us in our faith and to grow us in our dependence upon God. But Satan, Satan tempts. And the temptation of Satan is to destroy our faith and to lead us away from God. Now, it's also true, though, that temptations arise from within. And uh, James talks about this in his letter in James chapter 1, verses that you'll be familiar with. He explains how temptation arises within our own hearts. He says in verses 13 through 15 of chapter 1, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person... When he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth, brings forth death. So here James is describing the process by which we are tempted. The Puritans used to call this the morphology of sin. He says, in, in the first place, we are lured by wrong desires that crop up within our own hearts. We are, we are baited by wrong desires. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's fishing imagery. To catch fish, you need a lure or bait of some kind. Several of us were at the Tux Pond this week, and while we were there, we were going through all of these different kinds of bait and lure, trying to catch fish. And James is saying that our twisted hearts lure us away with temptation. And then James switches the illustration to reproductive categories and says that when a wrong desire is conceived in our hearts, it gives birth to sin. And when it has fully grown, it brings forth death in our lives. So you see, we need to understand, this is so important for us to understand, as Christians, as Christians, beloved, that the greatest problem when it comes to temptation does not come from outside, it comes from inside. It comes from within our own hearts. 
That's why Jesus can say in Mark 7, 21 and 22, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. My friends, the human heart is a poisoned spring out of which all sin flows. And so when we pray for deliverance from temptation, we are first of all praying with Augustine, Lord, save me from myself. Deliver me from the sin that remains within my own corrupt heart. Lead me not into temptation. Lead me in the ways of of righteousness for your name's sake. You see the The danger of temptation is real, so we need to remember that wrong desires are not to be fostered. They're to be fought against. Uh, We're not to see how far, let me put it this way, We're we're not to see how far we can go before we fall. And if we are honest with ourselves, sometimes that's exactly what we're doing. We're We're playing with temptation. I remember uh, when I was a camp counselor for several years in college, um, I think just about every year during senior high week, one of my, one of my uh, kids would ask me, uh, Jared, how far is too far? And you know, you know what that question's all about. How, how far can I go with my girlfriend before I cross this line into immorality? I would respond to that and just simply say, why, do you, why are you asking that question? And before, before, I, before we try to answer it, let's, let's do a little bit of heart searching, searching here. Why are you really asking that question? And more often than not, what was being exposed was that within their own hearts, there was already a wrong desire that had been festering. There was actually a wrong desire motivating that very question to, to play around with temptation. It was, it was already clear that they were in a dangerous place because they had wrong desires that they wanted to act on without crossing some kind of imaginary line into immorality. See, they were already being lured in terms of what James is saying. They were already being lured by wrong desires, They were already fostering sin that left unchecked would have led them away into sin. And when that sin had grown up in their lives, it would have brought forth death. See, because uh, we need to realize that sin is not to be fostered. It's to be fought against. We also need to, to talk about how temptation can come from outside. I want to tell you this today, that there are there are people and places and things that can lead us into sin. People, places, and things that can lead us into sin. And when we pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, we are asking our Father in heaven to lead us away from these things. We, we are asking our Father to deliver us from compromising people, compromising places, and compromising things. And so, for example, some, some of us, when we pray this prayer... We are praying to the Lord that he would lead us away from compromising people. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company 
corrupts good morals. Now, that doesn't mean we don't spend time with unbelievers. It doesn't mean that we don't go outside of Christian circles. But you understand that there may be some people in your life that simply being with them leads you into sin. It entices you to sin. Whether it's sexual sin, whether it's profanity, substance abuse, slander, lying, foolishness, you you name it. There are some people that no matter how good your intentions, when you are with those people, they will lead you into sin. And my friends, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with our own hearts and recognize that there are some people in your life that will lead you inevitably to sin against God. And for some of us, praying, lead us not into temptation, means not only lead us away from compromising people, it can also mean lead us away from compromising places. You remember Joseph in the Old Testament who fled from Potiphar's house. Why did Joseph flee from Potiphar's house? You know the story because Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with him. And Joseph didn't say to himself, it's okay, I can withstand this. I can, I can stand fast for a while. I can resist this. No, Joseph fled. <laughs> he got out of there. He didn't, he didn't wait any longer to get out of that situation. Joseph understood the need at times to flee from compromising places and situations. My friends, there are some websites you simply should not go to. There are some buildings that you simply should not enter. Jesus, think about it. Jesus never, ever encourages you to test your strength when it comes to being tempted. I I was surprised this week, overwhelmed in fact, by how many times actually the New Testament tells believers to flee. It's there over and over and over again. Flee from temptation. Get out, run away from it. And if necessary, Jesus says, take drastic measures Because you don't want to sin against the Lord who made you and the Lord who redeemed you. Jesus tells us, don't test your strength when it comes to temptation. Get away from it. But this prayer also means we we need to flee from compromising things. Now this fleeing will look a little bit different than the first two I've talked about. But Calvin, Calvin is absolutely right when he said that the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. That our hearts are in the business of making idols about just about anything. We can turn anything into an idol, whether it's money or sex or possessions or friendship or marriage or having kids. Whatever it is, all good things in themselves can become idols that bring forth death if we love them more than we love God. If we desire them more than we desire God. And when that happens, they, they begin to control our minds and direct our wills. And before our lives, before we know it, our lives are, are consumed by what Calvin also called the, the pursuit of inordinate desire for fleeting things. So when we pray, Father, lead us not into temptation... We acknowledge that the danger of temptation is real. We acknowledge that the preeminent threat is our own sinful heart. But we also recognize that we have, we have an enemy who seeks to entice us into sin, to lead us away from God and to destroy our faith. And we acknowledge that, this, that in this world, 
there are people and situations and things that tempt us to leave the God we love. So the danger is real. And my friends, Jesus is teaching us here, we need God. That we need him to lead us. That we need him to be our deliverer. And that's the second part of this request. Not only that the danger of temptation is real, but that we depend upon God to be our deliverer. We need him to lead us because, frankly, without him, each and every one of us here today would fall. Without him, each and every one of us would would fail. Why else would we pray, lead us not into temptation? And as Matthew adds, uh, deliver us from evil. Why else would we pray that unless we believed that we rely on him not only for the forgiveness of our sins, but also deliverance from sin? A presence of sin that remains in our own hearts and in our own lives. And so we pray with an awareness that the danger of temptation is real. And we pray because we depend upon God. We depend upon him to deliver us. We're saying, God, we don't have the strength to stand against the tide of temptation. We don't have what it takes in and of ourselves to face temptation on our own. We are too weak without your help. Lead us and deliver us. You see, this is an expression of dependence upon God in our fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Would you turn, turn with me forward in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to look at this passage together for a few moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13 through 14. These verses tell us about our reliance upon God in the hour of temptation. Can't wait for that air conditioner. Okay, Paul writes, uh, beginning in verse uh, 13, no temptation has overtaken you That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he he will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now look closely at the beginning of those verses that we just read. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words... Your temptations are not unique. Your temptations are common to man, Paul is saying. Sometimes I, th- I think, some of us think this, we think that our temptations and our struggle with, with sin is utterly unique. We're the only one in the church that has them. And, and then we come to church where we think everybody kind of has it together. We think everybody has their their lives figured out and their lives in, in good order and we start to ask ourselves the questions, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't anybody else struggle with this temptation? Am I, am I the only one that's this wretched? My friends, if you ask yourself those questions, you need, you need to hear this passage loud and clear. Yes, we all struggle with sin in our own ways, but no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You see what that means today as you sit in the assembly of God's people. You can look around you today and see a body of fellow sinners 
who struggle with temptation. You you can also see a body of redeemed sinners. You can look around you and see brothers and sisters in Christ who struggle in their Christian life and who long to be holy but groan with the Apostle Paul. Why did I do that? Why do I do the thing I don't want to do and why do I fail to do the thing I want to do? Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So you need to understand that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And I think as a church family, beloved, we could do, we could do a better job of not acting like we've got everything figured out, of not acting like we've got it all together and begin to open up to one another in confidence. Because each of us, each one of us here today is tempted and struggles with sin. And, and one way the Father leads us away from temptation is the fellowship of the saints. Uh, the, the communion of God's people together. And that means it does not mean we confess our sins to, uh, to, to revel in the details or to celebrate our failure, but to, to pray for one another, to support one another, to encourage one another, and challenge one another to strive after the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Okay, so don't, this is my, my encouragement to some of you today. Don't let your sin isolate you from your brothers and sisters in Christ. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But back again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul also, I think, reminds us here that we, as we depend upon God, he is faithful to deliver us. There is no temptation, beloved, that is beyond your ability as a blood-bought, spirit-empowered saint to overcome. Some of you need to hear that again and again today. There is no temptation in your life that is beyond your ability as a blood-bought, spirit-empowered Christian to overcome. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget who redeemed us and, and who empowers us. And we forget that we have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb and that it is the, the spirit of the living God, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of power that dwells within believers. And so, brothers and sisters, you do not, as a Christian, face temptation alone. You do not face temptation alone. You face temptation in the Christian life with the help of heaven. And greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. And this is why Paul can say, God will provide a way of escape and strengthen you to endure because... You are not alone. And by the power of his grace, he ensures that you will endure. He is faithful to deliver. And in Christ, you are able to overcome that which you face. See, we know that, we know that in Christ, we, we have what is needed to overcome temptation. How can we know that? How can we know that in Christ, we have what is needed to overcome temptation? We can know that. Because Jesus Christ came into this world as a man and was tempted in every way like as we are yet without sin. The author of Hebrew, Hebrews unpacks the significance of this. He tells us that in every way Jesus was tempted like as we are yet without sin. 
So that, and do you remember what follows? So that he can help us when we are tempted. In that larger context, we're being told that when we are tempted with sin, we can go to Christ because he too was tempted and yet he resisted it. He said no to sin and then he died for sin. So now as our elder brother and our great high priest, he is able to help us when we are being tempted and he is able to cleanse us when we fail. He's able to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Yeah. Years ago, I was, I was at a, 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 well, they don't call it a conference, but it was a ministerial fraternal of, of pastors down in Jackson, Mississippi. And I remember a pastor telling a story about um, how, how outside of Christ, we're like people who are being bullied by Satan and sin. Okay, that's the context of the story. And this pastor, he grew, up in a, he grew up in a rough neighborhood. And he and his friends were daily bullied by this, this brute who would just come and, and do whatever he pleased and take whatever he wanted. And then one day, bully comes. Just so happened that this pastor, when he was a boy, he had, he had an elder brother who, uh, who lived out of town. But on this occasion, he was in town. And the elder brother saw what was going in and he stepped into the situation and he brought an end to it. And I remember the pastor, you know, I think he was thinking about how much it meant to him as a boy, but with tears in his eyes, he said, my friends, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you as your elder brother. He has silenced the bully. He has dealt with your sin. And he is there in your hour of need to help you and provide you with the divine aid that you need And through his death and resurrection, the gospel tells us that Jesus conquered the evil one, that he destroyed the power of sin and death, and that he will come again to bring us into a world free from temptation, free from sin, free from death, free from every evil. So, in this life, we need not fear evil, for Christ has overcome it. And he helps us, and he delivers us even now. And so we pray, Father... Father, lead us not into temptation. We do so because the danger of temptation is real. And we do so because we depend upon God to deliver us. And as we we rely on God, my friends, one weapon that God has given us for this fight against sin is the weapon of prayer. One weapon we yield as Christians in this war against temptation and sin is the weapon of prayer. And so we say to our Father, Father, lead us not into temptation. I don't want to to compromise because I want my life to be lived for the hallowing of your name. I want Jesus Christ to be enthroned over my life. I want Jesus Christ's rule to be displayed in my life. Forgive me when I fail. Forgive me when I fall and when I sin. And give me strength in Christ to stand fast against the temptations of the evil one, the temptations of this world, and the temptations that arise from within my own heart. Father, lead me not into temptation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you are able to deliver us and give us the help that we need in the hour of temptation. 
We thank you that you have delivered us from our sin, not only its guilt, but also its power. And we pray this day that you would lead us not into temptation, but that you would lead us away from compromising situations in our lives. We commit ourselves today and we pray that you would guard and keep what we have committed to you. Lord, we pray that in this life of temptation that you would protect us, that you would grow us in grace and may we safely dwell under your protection until at last you bring us into glory where there will be no more temptation, no more sin, no more death, no more evil whatsoever. We long for that day. Until that day, keep us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.